It is good to see all of you today on this Thanksgiving Day, the Sunday before New Year's Day. Did you know that that's next week is New Year's Day? It is the first Sunday of Advent, and in the church calendar, that is the beginning of the new year. So I'm encouraging you to, to um, do something to um, have a New Year's resolution, okay? A New Year's resolution to get involved in uh, the possibility of being a part of our Advent emphasis this year. Um, we're doing something that uh, maybe is a little different than some of you, and it's a resource that we have available to you that you're encouraged to think about taking advantage of. There is a little Advent devotional that is called Born the King. Um, just for any of you that kind of know things, well, this has nothing to do with Kanye West. Okay. Born the King. And here's Jesus the King thing. Okay. What I'm talking about here is Born the King. This is an emphasis for Advent. Advent is, you may know, the four Sundays before the day that we celebrate Christmas. And so that will be the first day of that. And what this is is a daily devotional that you can use as an individual or as a family to help you in your observation of Advent. And who knows, it might even get you started in a new discipline of daily devotions as you do that. Um, these little books are available to you today to pick up. And you can get them at a discounted price from what you will have to pay if you go online to get them. And it's $10 back there on the table. If we happen to run out, and they happen to run out, we, I think they ordered 50 of them, you can still get them yourselves through Amazon. You can get them through the Foundry. You can get them online in a number of ways. Um, you can also get this in a Kindle version or an electronic version. So this is just a, a resource. Now, if you decide not to do it, don't skip the services the next four Sundays because you're not doing that. Um, I will be preaching out of the passages that are used each week, but don't expect them necessarily to follow everything exact that's in here. It's going to be a great adventure in experiencing and knowing more about what it is to have Jesus as our King and that he was born our king. And I think it can be a helpful thing for us. So I encourage you to take that little journey with us and, um, and possibly participate in that. Uh, that's something that we'll just add to that. Well, this is our Thanksgiving Sunday. Uh, I've, I, I've, I've always felt this as a pastor, having done this for 40 years. Um, and I just have had that confirmed uh, in some... Uh, um, some surveys that have done, been done with pastors, particularly pastors who are more seasoned, um, been doing this for longer, and that is they find that these special Sundays become the hardest weeks to preach because you feel like you've used all your material. <laughs> okay, how, how many times can you preach about Thanksgiving um, and, and say something? To, so I could possibly say, you know what? You've heard it before. Go give thanks, and, and we could go have a quick trip to the to the restaurant this morning, but I'm not that good to you. <laughs> so um, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea of Thanksgiving. And I want to remind you, I, I've heard this, I've seen the little signs and everything, you know, have a attitude of gratitude, okay? And I really believe we, that, that Thanksgiving is an attitude, but it needs to be so much more than that, don't you believe? Now, giving thanks and being a person of gratitude is for those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior and who are attempting to live lives that are honoring and, and glorifying to Him, 
being a thankful person is not optional. Okay, that is a part of our obedience to him. All you have to do is read God's word and you find out that if you are a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are implored to be a person of thanksgiving. Okay, so I'm not telling you to do something that is kind of a, a, um, an optional thing here today, but I want to try to maybe equip you a little bit on how we might do this maybe more effectively. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I don't always feel very thankful. Okay, I, I struggle with this, this particular thing, okay? Uh, and so I kind of want to maybe set some context to Thanksgiving for us. When we think of Thanksgiving, most of us think of pilgrims and turkeys and, and uh, American Indians or uh, Native Americans coming together and the Thanksgiving that's a part of that. But did you know that, um, that the holiday that we celebrate has a much different um, uh, genesis? Um, and I had not realized this until I began to do a little bit more research on this, but Thanksgiving as a national holiday did not become a holiday for us until the year 1863, okay? Now, most of you who know your American history could know what was going on in 1863. What was happening then? The Civil War was going on. Abraham Lincoln was the president, and he had, he had a lady who kept writing him and saying, we need to have a Thanksgiving holiday. And, he, and she finally pestered him into declaring Thanksgiving holiday, okay? And, and, um, and this holiday that he declared was declared for the year 1863. Now, in that year, you may know that for much of the Civil War, things had not gone well for the Union. It was that year, in the right around July 4th, that the first time that the, that the, the Union had a, had a good outcome, pretty much, and that was with the Battle of Gettysburg. Things were starting to turn, but the war wasn't over. It was still going on. There was a lot of worry and angst. The, the real outcome of the war was still uncertain. And Abraham Lincoln wrote a proclamation. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do something I probably shouldn't do, but I'm going to read this whole thing to you, okay? Because I just love hearing one of our presidents talk like this, okay? And I think it would help you to understand what it really should mean for us to be an American, okay? What kind of an attitude, what kind of a spirit do Americans need to have, okay? So this is what Abraham Lincoln, this is the transcript for his Thanksgiving proclamation that he made on October 3rd, 1863. The year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, Others have been added, which are so extraordinary in nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and even soften the heart, which is habitually insensible to the ever-watching providence of Almighty God. 
in the midst of a civil war of unequal magnitude and severity, which has sometimes sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and provoke their aggressions, peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained, the laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict, while that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union. Needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements and the mines as well as of iron and a coal as of the precious metals have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. Population is steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege and the battlefield and the country rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increase of freedom. I wish I could write like that. Okay. No human counsel has devised, nor hath any moral hand worked out of these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, has nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed fit to me and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully, that they should be, okay, let me say this again. It has been seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do, therefore, and my, my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last day of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings that they do also with humble penitence for our national perseverance and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently implore the interposition of the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as it may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. In testimony thereof, I have heretofore sent my hand and caused the seal of the United United States States to be affixed, done in the city of Washington this third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1863, and of the independence of the United States, the 88th. Abraham Lincoln. The reason I read that to you is I believe that, that we as a nation are facing many of those same kind of things that are pulling us apart, okay, drive us apart. And I, I really, truly believe 
that it's in a spirit of thanksgiving that God can begin to bring healing. And ultimately, it needs to happen because of those of us who believe in God provide the example. You understand that? I truly believe that. This, this is an opportunity for us as God's people to be and to do what God calls, calls us to do, to be a people of gratefulness, of thanksgiving, to be different than the world out there that is always complaining and griping about what's not right and how they are being shortchanged. We are a people who realize that we, in spite of what may be going on from the world, are experiencing God's grace and blessing in such marvelous ways that we cannot help but to express praise and glory to our God. And that makes a difference in the world around us. You know, Thanksgiving does begin with an attitude. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says and commands us, I believe, rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Think about what could happen. If when people come around us, instead of hearing us talking about how bad things are, they could hear us expressing to them how God's grace and blessings have been poured out into our hearts and into our lives. I believe we acknowledge grace. We observe the blessings, just like the things that Don was talking to us about, all of those things that, that, that seem so amazing, the way God is working and, and has blessed us with things that we don't deserve. And to see us as a people who choose to be grateful for what we have, rather than complaining about what we don't have. But an attitude of gratitude is never enough. It has to be put into action. In other words, just going around and talking about how grateful we are probably doesn't accomplish a whole lot. And I want to talk to you about four ways this morning that I believe that you and I are called to be a people that puts our gratitude into action and to behavior. The first one is something that we've been already trying to do, and that is I believe that there is in an attitude of gratitude a responsibility and an opportunity to always make prayer a part of who we are. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that prayer needs to be a part of who I am as a Christian, okay? I cannot be a believer in Jesus Christ and treat prayer as kind of an optional behavior in which I do. But, you know, I think that there is in this passage that I'm going to read to you a little bit of a hint about the kind of attitude with which we can and should go into prayer. Prayer is not just something where I, well, I better pray today. I guess I'll do it and go through the motions as though it's some sort of obligation. It's a privilege. It is a source and a reason for us to go into it with a spirit of joy and thanksgiving. I want to read a passage. This is, this is found in Philippians chapter 4. Um, I just want to remind you that this particular letter 
um, was written by Paul to a church in Philippi, which itself was undergoing a significant amount of persecution and trials and difficulties. It was not an easy thing to be a Christian in the city of Philippi. And Paul himself was writing this letter while he himself was in prison. So here he is, somebody who is going through all types of, ops, uh, of, 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 of challenges and difficulties and suffering, writing to a people who are going through all types of suffering and persecutions and difficulties and challenges. And this is, his, this is what he says to them. Rejoice in the Lord some of the time. No, that's not what he says, does he? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again just in case you didn't get it. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. You know, the, the part about that that I think we sometimes kind of slip over pretty quick, the Lord is near. He never abandons us. No matter how bad things are, no matter how uncertain things are, God's presence is always with us. He'll never, he'll, he'll, he'll never abandon us, okay? And because he, he is there, we know that we have the assurance and the confidence that his love for us is, is absolutely certain. It's unconditional. We don't have to talk him into loving us. We don't have to deserve it. His love is already expressed to us. And the greatest reason of all that we have to be thankful and to come before him in prayer is because of what has already been done for us by Jesus Christ on the cross. His salvation has already been accomplished for us. And because of that, because of that, our future, our, certain, our, our, our eternal destiny is secure. Salvation. Do you realize that God doesn't need to answer one single prayer for me ever again and I have no reason to complain? Because he has already done for me more than I deserve, and he has already provided for me all that I need for eternity. I can't lose, okay? But guess what? With thanksgiving, I am being encouraged to ask him, okay, to make my petitions known. Now, the reason I make my petitions known is not because I think that I deserve something from him, but because I'm being given permission to do so. I do it with thanksgiving. Lord, I know that as a, as a servant of yours, you give me permission to just ask. And I can ask anything. I don't have to say, well, I wonder if this is something that I should, maybe, I, you know, I, 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 I think I can just ask, okay, but I do it with thanksgiving knowing that I'm asking someone who knows what I need better than I know myself. So I never have to question the outcome. I can always be 
absolutely certain that it's okay. With prayer and thanksgiving, present my petitions to the Lord. I, uh, I wish that God would always do what I wanted him to do. But let me take that back. I don't think I do. I don't want him to do what I want him to do because sometimes what I want is not what I really need. I want what he wants. And guess what? He is faithful. Now, I'm going to do something here that I get to, get to do once in a while when I preach, and that is I get to kind of go off script a little bit. And I'm going to do that real good, but I'm going to let somebody else go off script for me. Right before I got ready to preach, Jeff Enfield came to me and says, I'd like to give a little testimony this morning about what God's doing for me. And uh, Jeff's going to give a testimony that I think is pretty amazing. But what I have appreciated about Jeff's testimony through all this is he has always said, I am putting this in God's hands, and I know that God is good. And so Jeff, coming up here, I think there's a, there's a microphone right there. Or can you use this one? I think you can. I don't know what you need to use, just because I'm kind of new here. So, okay. And Jeff's going to just give a quick little word of praise. Just a quick little testimony. Uh, as most of you know, about two months ago, I was diagnosed with uh, uh, r cancer. There are, it's a very rare form of cancer, about 400 cases in the United States. And so I've asked many of you folks to pray for me. And one of the things that I've asked you to pray for is um, that when I went through chemo, that the uh, symptoms would be very, very minimal. And praise God, they have been. Um, I've just gone through my first round of chemo, and uh, the, the side effects have been very, very minimal. When we were first diagnosed with cancer, uh, the doctors came in the room and they said, well, so there's about a 99% chance that it is cancer. And I told the doctors, I said, I'm holding out for the 1%. <laughs> Praise God, we're, we believe in people, what God can do. So when it came back, the initial results is cancer. We said, okay, we'll just go through the protocol. But um, we were encouraged to get a second opinion, and I called University of Chicago, made an appointment, and um, subsequently we went up there, and the doctor looked at the results, and he says, we've got together with 25 surgeons, oncologists, and pathologists, and um, we're not certain that it's cancer. So I'm holding out the 1%. One per, one <laughs> Keep praying. Um, one of the scriptures that we came across, it said, be joyful in hope. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Right. And persistent in prayer. So my message is, be persistent. Be persistent in your prayer. We're not there. We haven't got the final confirmation but I can tell you that prayer changes everything. It changes everything. It changes the prognosis. It changes the protocol. It changes the outcome. There is only some things that God can do. And so we want to be a witness. 
I am joyful in whatever this new prognosis will be. And I can tell you that because God has been faithful. He's been ministering to me all along the way. I can tell you there have been days when the first step in the morning is the hardest. But God has helped me to get out of bed. He's helped me to just be joyful in those things. So I just want to thank you for your prayers and say, we're not there yet. Keep praying. The one who loves us, the one who loves us, will give us overwhelming victory in all of our afflictions. Those are his words. Those are not my words. So we are hopeful. If I were to die, I am grateful for the time and the days that I have with my friends and my family because there are people who have been shot, who will be in an accident, who will never, ever be able to say goodbye. I'm trusting in life, <laughs> in hope, and in healing, but I'm ungrateful for the days because my destination is already determined. So praise God for that security of life and in love. And I praise God for each and every one of you. you Amen. You have to know that when you're the pastor preaching a sermon, you give a guy a chance to do that. He has a chance to blow your sermon up. Thank you, Jeff, for not blowing my sermon up. I appreciate that good, good testimony. It fits so much. And I, I would like just to just give one more quick illustration of, of a spirit of that. I think most of you know your pastor has been going through a really, really tough time. And at this point, we've not seen the outcome that we keep praying for. Not yet. Okay. But here's, here's the thing. Here's the one thing I want to tell you that I have experienced in Andrew. Every time at the end of the service that I've gone and talked to Andrew, his word to me has always been, I am so grateful. Okay? Now, I do not know what the future holds. I am, I'm not God. I have no question about God's faithfulness. But I'm going to tell you something. God honors that kind of a spirit and attitude. God works when people are willing to say, no matter what, Lord, I am going to give you praise. I'm going to glorify you. I think most of you know I live in a world of death now. I'm a hospice chaplain. And always I am in the midst of that. And I'll tell you something, it does, you, it does your heart good when you can see in the spirit and the attitude of those who are even experiencing that, an attitude that says, I'm safe with God. He has got me. I am absolutely secure in that. Praise God. That's the way we pray. Lord, you've got this. I give it to you. That is an attitude of gratitude that expresses itself in the way we pray. I believe it also is expressed in the way we worship. Okay? Um, we are to come with sacrifices of praise, okay? 
I, I heard that talked about in a Sunday school class I attended this morning, that we are to have sacrifices of praise. I got to thinking about sacrifices always are costly. That means if I am going to come into the service and express praise, it's not going to be always because I feel like it. I have to sometimes sacrifice my feelings in order to be able to be obedient to God and being a person who expresses praise. Psalm 100 says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And here it goes. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. In his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations in songs of praise, in expressions of joy and in reverence to God. We come before the Lord and when we come to worship, our worship itself becomes a behavior of gratitude. Okay? My prayer is today that we can realize that worship itself becomes a behavior in which thanksgiving takes place, which means, you know what that means? We don't have to wait for once a year to do this. Every Sunday, every time we come together to worship, there is that spirit of joy, that spirit of praise, that reverence for realizing that we are in the place that no one deserves to be because God's presence is here. And we take that to be the greatest honor and privilege we could possibly have. So there is the gratitude and joyful prayer. There is the gratitude that comes in our act of worship. By the way, you'll notice that it doesn't say anything here about determining whether or not our worship makes us feel good. Our worship is all about him, not us. If you go away from the service saying, well, I didn't get anything out of that, it's not God's fault. It's not us' fault. It's your fault. Because worship is not what you get. Worship is what you give. Okay, two more. I'll get done here pretty quick. Gratitude becomes for us a powerful witness to the world around us. I'll read a passage of Scripture and I want to tell you a story. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts as members of one body you were called to, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be, there it is again, thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um, I can still remember this. I think it was probably almost 20 years ago now. I came to church, and uh, the church service started, and there was sitting in the back of our sanctuary a person there all by himself, never seen him before. I remember going up to him and introducing myself to him, and I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Pastor Phil. What's your name? He says, I'm Danny. He says, well, I'm glad to have you here. 
And he says, well, I'm glad to be here too. And we went on with the service. Later, later that week, Danny called me up and said, I'd, I'd like to come and talk to you because I think you need to know a little bit more about me. So I got together with Danny and he began to tell me a little bit of a story. He says, I just need you to know that last week I was a prisoner in a California penitentiary. I was arrested for running a meth lab and I found out that I was not very good at it because I got caught. And I've just spent three years in a California penitentiary. And while I was in the penitentiary, I came to know Jesus. And it's kind of a, an interesting story, but I don't know about you, but I've heard about these jail conversions before, haven't you? And you kind of say, well, is this for real? Okay. Here's this guy. He's now coming to my church. I found out that he said, he said I was paroled just last week, and somehow or the other, they were willing in California to let me come to Indiana. That didn't happen very often. And, and the reason I was able to come is my sister said she'd take me in, and she had a job for me. And so I, here I am, and I want to come to your church. I, I said, well, you're always welcome. I'm glad to get to know this. And so I'm, I'm somebody, oh, <laughs> what do I have here? But through the years, Danny Barrett has become one of those persons that is the real thing. Um, he has become involved in prison ministry. He was in, very involved in a ministry that Renee and I have been a part of called Celebrate Recovery, one of our leaders there, and become a very special friend. But very early on in the time that I got to know Danny, I began to notice something that he always did that affected me. What he did was this. Whenever you'd see Danny, you'd say, Hey, Danny, how are you doing? And his response was, I am greatly blessed. I, I remember one time I said, Danny, why do you say that? He says, I am greatly blessed because I remember what it was like to be in prison. And I've been set free. And God has been good to me. And I'm blessed. And so every time you'd see Danny, I am greatly blessed. Well, a no number of years later, I was going through one of those times in my life where I just, you know, it was one of those times we had to look up to see bottom. You ever, ever have those times? You're just discouraged. You're, you're just really struggling to go on. And I remembered whenever I got around Danny, and I would say, Danny, how are you doing? I am greatly blessed. And I said to him, do you always feel that way? He said, no, I don't always feel greatly blessed, but, but I know I am. And I came to the realization when I was in one of that, one of that time, that I says, you know, I need to let Danny's example teach me. And so I called Danny up and says, Danny, I need to meet with you in my office. <laughs> of course, that, this guy makes people scared. The pastor wants to meet me in the office like going to the principal's office. He comes in, he's kind of nervous. He says, Danny, I just need to ask you a favor. I said, Danny, I've heard you say, I am greatly blessed whenever I ask you how you are for many years now. And I'd like to ask your permission. Would you allow me to start using that too? And he said, yes. And I don't know how many of you may have even been the experience this, that I, you've asked me how I am. And I will say to you, 
I am greatly blessed. Because I am. Let me in on a secret. I don't always feel blessed. But I am. You know, uh, a lot of people say, I'm fine. And they're lying. They're not fine. Okay? But I can guarantee you, every time I say I am greatly blessed, I'm telling the truth. I'm not telling you how I'm feeling. I'm expressing what I know is true. God has blessed me in ways that I don't deserve. Do you realize that by being a person who expresses gratitude, you become in that expression of gratitude a witness for the faithfulness of God? My witness, my witness for Jesus matters more to me than just about anything else. And the last thing I want to do, and I think that's true of any of us, is we want to be the kind of person who makes him look bad. And we have the greatest message of all, the message of God's grace and God's salvation. And I just happen to believe that there's a little bit of truth that can be expressed We don't have to go through the whole gospel every time. We don't have to buttonhole people for Jesus to be a witness. But we can let our spirit of gratitude, I am greatly blessed, be a witness, a positive witness, an affirming spirit, an optimistic hope for what God's grace is doing in us. Now, I'm not giving you permission to use my line. Come up with your own. You know, the thing about that little statement, I, I will say this. It's, it's quite interesting when you use that line, I am greatly blessed to strangers. Because people are all the time asking you, how are you? And I'll say, I am greatly blessed. Well, I am too. <laughs> you know, and people respond to that in, in amazing ways. I, I, I just sometimes have to remind them, I just need you to know. I don't always feel blessed, but I know I am. And I give God praise. Okay, gratitude is a powerful witness for Jesus. Rather than hearing about your complaints and your criticisms about the world around you, maybe sometimes what we just need to do is to express our gratitude to who God is in our lives. And that speaks volumes to a world that needs a message of hope and peace and comfort. Well, this last one here, all those feel pretty good. This last one you don't want to hear, okay? But I am absolutely convinced that every one of us need to hear it. Gratitude also requires a lifestyle of generosity, okay? This is Thanksgiving Sunday, and we are taking a Thanksgiving offering for world missions. And here I am up here, the preacher going to tell you, you got to open up your pocketbooks and give. But listen, it is the greatest privilege and joy that we have as followers of Jesus Christ is that we get to provide an example of generosity to the world around us by being willing to give. There is nothing godly about selfishness and the accumulation of things. Godliness 
is found in the sacrifice and the willingness to say, Lord, how can you use what you have given me for your glory? The church in Corinth received a letter from the Apostle Paul. He was pretty tough on them in the letter, but mainly he was trying to help them to be ready to be the kind of church that God called them to be. And a part of that is he was giving them an opportunity to participate in an offering for the church in Jerusalem that was going through terrible persecution. And Paul told them that he was going to be coming and taking an offering for them, and he wanted them to prepare. And this was what he said to them in preparing for that offering. I think we could put in that Thanksgiving offering here today, but I won't do that. But here's what I truly believe God teaches us about a spirit and an attitude of generosity. If we are going to be grateful, if we're going to be thankful people, we are generous. Remember this, he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's amazing to me how many people want to stop there and think that somehow or the other that the scriptures are teaching that if you give, you'll get. Okay? If you want to get a Cadillac, then just go ahead and send an offering in. Okay? Listen, friends. This is not the kind of receiving that we need in this world. We've already got more than we need, okay? But he is saying here that if we want to experience the blessings of God in our lives, if we are self-centered and selfish and holding on to things, we can never experience to spiritually experience God's blessings in our lives. But when we have a spirit and attitude of saying, I want to sow, I want to give out, I want to be one that God uses, it's amazing how God blesses us in that type of a situation. So here it is. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. So if you're going to be a crank, don't give. (laughs) We don't want it, and God doesn't need it, okay? But the loss is not the church, and it's not the mission. It's not God. It's you if you give with that kind of spirit. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. (laughs) Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Some of you probably heard the the line of John Wesley with regard to money and possessions. He said, gain all you can, save all you can. Give all you can. We are people of thanksgiving when we share the blessings. When we see the opportunity to give as an expression of love. And through it, we know we are gaining eternal treasures. Lay not up for yourself 
treasures in this world where moth and rust corrupt. Lay them up in heaven. Where are your treasures? I guess in closing this morning, I would ask you the question. What, and I ask myself the question. What do I need to do to put giving back into thanksgiving? It's not just being thankful. It is being a person of thanksgiving in our prayers, in our worship, in our witness, and in our generosity. Would you pray with me? Lord, you're here. You've taught us. You've reminded us of your grace. None of what we have, we deserve. We have been blessed to be in a nation and to, grow, and to, and to experience the abundance that most of the people of this world never experience. So, Lord, we are so thankful. But, Lord, let us not just be thankful. Let us be people that in our gratitude, in our attitude of thanksgiving, that we also put it into, into a behavior and action and expressions that glorify you. Let people see you. Let you get the credit and not us. Help us, Lord, to give thanks with a grateful heart and let your spirit be seen in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's sing this song in closing. We've already sung it once. I think it's a beautiful expression of how we live our lives in thankfulness. Thanks.